And uh, while you're turning there, um, I do want to, uh, I feel a little awkward about saying this to you. I hope you don't think this is me name dropping. However, uh, I have talked to Brother Arnold probably uh, 20 days out of the last 30. And yesterday he told me, he said, please, please, please tell the church in Dothan how thankful we are for you praying for Sister Arnold. Uh, And she is home. She did have a little setback, had to go back to the hospital. Uh, But she's now out. And Brother Arnold uh, told me to, to please tell you that he was very thankful uh, for you praying for uh, their situation and uh, also told me to make sure that I give great honor uh, to Brother Patterson and he also told me to make sure that I treat my sweet little wife uh, very good and so I told him that I would do that and uh, the impact of your life the impact of the church it's important that we do what we do and um, I would even say even the McCartys were here for uh, I think they were here for about 10 years and brother and sister McCarty pastor the church over in Enterprise and um, I, I I just want Sister McCarty I'm going to claim you whether you want us to claim you or not we're going to say they're an extension of us as well and and here's what you ought to do you ought to pray for Brother and Sister McCarty you ought to pray for Brother and Sister Mark Harrelson Brother and Sister Stephen Williams Brother and Sister David Goodwin Brother Robert and Sister Jamie Fears because our prayers are important for these people Amen. Genesis chapter 43. And I would like to read a couple of verses uh, to you. And then we'll move over to Genesis 44. But Genesis chapter 43, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee. Then let me bear the blame forever. And then I want you to turn over one page to chapter 44. And I want you to look with me to verse 34. The Bible says it like this, For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure or lest perhaps I see the evil that shall come on my father that word there evil in verse 34 could also be changed to grief lest perhaps I see the grief that shall come on my father 
I want to preach to you. I was going to preach Romans 8, 29 and 30 tonight, but I heard Brother Tony preach Friday, and I was very convicted by what he preached. And um, because of the time factor, we come dragging in about 3.30 Saturday morning from Bessemer. And so Saturday was pretty well wasted trying to sleep and catch up with it, so I have not nearly put the time that I normally put into a message and all I have up here is a bunch of scribbling and um, so I'm going to need to set my timer because uh, I don't want to just get off into rambling but I do hope to touch your heart just like Brother Tony touched mine and even Brother Patterson's Friday at our camp meeting and I want to preach to you about winning your family let's ask the Lord to help us here tonight Lord I'm thankful for your goodness I'm thankful Lord for this church and I ask you Lord tonight that you would help us to grasp and to understand the great importance Lord of being soul winners of being people that have influence over others that would come into this kingdom. Help us, Lord, to do more than just to pray for them. And help us to do everything we can to save, Lord, those that are lost. Use us, Lord, as your agents and your voice to reach into their hearts to, Lord, somehow change the direction of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Winning your family. This uh, story that, or these verses, these three verses that I have read uh, to you here tonight, are probably a little bit uh, disjointed or so, but it tells us the story about after Joseph had gotten to Egypt and he had been there now for more than a decade and there was a famine that had struck the land. And if you remember how that Joseph's daddy Jacob, who thinks that Joseph has died, gets word that there is corn and grain and food that is in that area of Egypt. And so what he does is he decides that he's going to send his adult sons to go and to try to get some food and bring it back to where they live there in Canaan. Judah is we've heard that song, Clint Brown, Judah means praise, and that's one of those songs that kind of uh, gets you up and moving around a little bit because we as Pentecostals, we believe that you ought to praise the Lord. But you see Judah now intervening in a situation where that, uh, I guess you could say where that that praise now turns to pleading because he's asking, he's, he's, he's wanting uh, to save his 
younger brother. In fact, he's the baby, Benjamin. Benjamin is the youngest brother. He's also the brother of Joseph, and yet Joseph has not seen him for many years. This is one of the most moving illustrations in the word of the Lord that you can find that uh, tells us that we are responsible for our brothers and for our sisters, or as the scripture has to say, uh, that we will bear great responsibility or bear blame forever. These older brothers, they come in again, and, and Joseph appears before them. They don't know his identity. Joseph immediately recognizes them, and he understands that his brothers now are coming, and, and they're requesting, hey, we've got to have some food because things where we are are, are not good, they are not well. Joseph answered them very sternly back. And he began to say, do you have any other members of your family? How is how's your dad? What's his, his take on things? And, and do you have any, any brothers, anybody that has been left there with your father? And he comes to understand that Benjamin, the younger brother, is still there. That Benjamin is, is, is there with Jacob, and I'm sure that just as Jacob doted over uh, Joseph, that now that that has been uh, displaced and turned in the direction where that now that uh, the attention that had been put on Joseph has now been directed toward uh, Benjamin. I, I wonder, the scriptures really don't tell us but I wonder what those brothers' feelings about Benjamin, what's, what's their feelings? How are their feelings for him? You, we know the feelings they had for Joseph. They despised Joseph. In fact, they hated Joseph because Joseph found uh, grace in the eyes of his father. And there were, there were, there were perks of being the pet. There were perks of of being that uh, young man, that, that he was there. And, and, uh, and so now Joseph tells his brothers, he said, okay, he said, if you want any more food, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to bring Benjamin and you're going to have to bring him back. And I'm going to have to see him if you're going to get any more food out of him, that is what we read about in verse 43. Look that, at that verse now that I've told you a little bit of the story there. Here is what the Bible says, verse 8, chapter 43. And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. Dad, I will be a guarantee for Benjamin. And of my hand, you're going to be able to require him. And if I don't bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame of his loss forever. And so the story goes on and Jacob gives his consent. Now here's what's taking place in Joseph's mind. 
Joseph is fixing to test his brothers. He's fixing to find out if they still have the same venom in, in their lives that they had for him uh, a few years earlier. And, and so they all go back. And the Bible tells us as the story uh, begins to unfold that, that Joseph begins to observe his younger brother. It has an incredible impact on the life of Joseph. Last week, I have uh, gotten a, a new mountain bike and I saved up a, uh, some money and squirreled it away and hid it and, and finally managed to scrape up enough. And so back at uh, our district board meetings back in November, I went up to Cahaba Valley uh, bike shop there just outside of Birmingham and I bought a, uh, a new mountain bike. And if anybody wants to buy a Trek 4300, it's got new tires, it's got new cables, it's tricked out. It's a 19-inch. It fits real well if you're 5'8 or 5'9. I'll sell it to you right so I can translate that money into books. But anyways, I, I went out this past week and, and Justin had told me about Forever Wild out of Fortner Street. And so I got out there and I rode that bike on that trail. And uh, then whenever I started leaving, I thought I'm going to go back by uh, where that I spent the bulk of my life growing up. And I went out further out Fortner Street and turned down that little road called Sunrise Heights, which when I was growing up was a dirt road. It's now a nice paved street with street lights. I'm telling you, when I was growing up out there, there were no street, maybe one or two lights that were security lights in the yards of people. But I drove down there and stopped out in front of the, the, the house that I grew up in. And I, I really was unprepared for the emotional impact that it had on me. Because it was in that place where that, that as a young kid, I would get off the school bus. And uh, Mark and I were latchkey kids. And, and we would, would go in, and I, I didn't like the time change because the time change meant that it was going to get dark before my mom and dad got home. And I used to hate that as a, as a third grader and a second grader. I just didn't like to be home at dark when my parents were not there with me. But as I got a little older, sixth, seventh grade, even eighth grade, I can remember uh, getting off the school bus and going down and, and uh, there, there were times, and I don't know, it was the grace of God at work. That's really all uh, that I can, can say that it was. But I can remember going in my, my bedroom and I've mentioned stories about this uh, some of you have heard me mention this before, but I would go in uh, that, that bedroom that I had. My parent, my mother had bought me a NFL bed spread and, and it was on the, the bed there and I uh, had tore a hole in the, in the corner of it and the way I'd done that was I had a, a fishing rod and I got in my room over in the corner and I started casting that rod. Then I'd reel it in and I'd cast it again and I'd reel it in. And somehow in all of the process of it, I cast it and I got a hook hung in that, in that bed spread and I had to cut it out with a, a knife and, and my mother found it. I don't remember what the consequences of it was, but that's beside 
the point, but, but there were days where that I would get off of the school bus and I would go in that bedroom and I would kneel down uh, at that at that bed and, and I would turn on the, the Happy Goodmans or the Hensons or something like that in a little old uh, tape recorder that I had and and the, and the glory of God would descend in that little old room. And uh, I would cry and pray and, and, and the Lord would, would again just renew me in the Holy Ghost. And it wouldn't be too long before I would start speaking in tongues again there in that little bedroom there in that house there. And when I got out of my car and I... I looked down the yard there. I, I so wanted to go up and knock on the door of that house and ask them, can I, can I just go in this house and just see uh, what it's like and if it's like it used to be whenever I was growing up. There was an emotional feel that I had uh, for that. And I wonder if whenever uh, Joseph looked at Benjamin, if there was not a flashback in his mind to wonder about the memories of the home and to wonder about his old dad and to wonder about how things were back in his boyhood and, and all of that. And he looked at Benjamin there and, and, and I want to just tell you tonight that I believe that whenever he looked and observed his younger brother, it had a profound emotional impact on him. In fact, there's uh, evidence in Scripture where that there was a meal that they gathered up and began to eat, and Joseph couldn't even finish the meal, and he had to go around behind where they were at, and the Bible tells us that he wept because he was in the presence of his brothers, men that had had tried to destroy him and yet God had, had used that to bring him into a place so that he would be able to save his family at a later point. And so, but, but back to where we're at with Benjamin, he, he looks at Benjamin and he says, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set this thing up and I'm gonna test him even more. And so the story is, is that he tells his steward, he tells his, his foreman, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, the bags that are there, what I want you to do where then the corn and the grain is, I want you to, to take the money that they have given to you and I want you to slip that in the bag, but I also want you to take one of my silver cups off of the table and I want you to put that in the bag and I want you to let them get several hours out of town and so that's what took place and Joseph observed and began to let them leave and they left he slept several hours go by and then he said alright I'm going to send my men out so soldiers were sent out to stop them and, and whenever they caught up with them caught up with his brothers he stopped them and they began to uh, open and they said, we want to inspect these bags of food here. We think that you have stolen them. And Joseph's instructions was this, was you go through all of their bags and you wait till you get to Benjamin and you open his bag up and there you're going to find the money and, and there you're going to find the cup. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to really 
uh, notch it up and tell them that you're going to take Benjamin back. And that's what happened. And so they loaded them all up and got them back before Joseph. And Joseph began to accuse Benjamin. He said, you're, you're a thief. You're, a, uh, you're, you're somebody that... That, uh, that, that you need to be a bond slave. I'm going to let everybody else go back, but you're going to be my slave and you're going to have to stay here behind with me. And the Bible tells us that whenever that began to happen, that Judah spoke up because he had made a commitment to his father. He said, Dad, he said, if you let me take Benjamin with, you, with us, he said, I promise you at the cost of my own life, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that if he doesn't return back, then I'm going to be the one that you can, you can hold for being responsible for this and, and the interplay and it all worked out like that and, and, and it ended up that, that Judah was detained. There was a little bit of discussion uh, between Judah and Simeon and all of that, but, but, but the point of what I'm trying to, to make here tonight is this, is that Judah's concern for his brother. And, and you look at that. You, you look, look in Genesis chapter 44 and look with me to verse 30. Here is what the Bible has to say there. He says, now therefore when I come to thy servant my father and the lad, he's not with us. And seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, in, in Benjamin's life, it's going to come to pass whenever he doesn't see Benjamin that he's not with us, that he is going to die. And he said, and your servants are going to bring down the gray hairs of, of our father and he is going to be so grieved by that that he is going to die because I, the servant, I have said for a surety, for a guarantee, if the lad is not brought to my father, if I don't bring him back, then I'm going to bear the blame of my father forever. You see the concern that was there that Judah is beginning to express. He's saying you can't afford to let this take place. Now the story ends and, and uh, jo Joseph later reveals his identity to Jacob and uh, they end up bringing them all back to uh, the city or the land of Egypt there and, and uh, there was a good turnout. But, but I want to tell you that Judah stands as an intercessor. He stands as a soul winner whenever he begins to ask that question question, how shall I go to my father and the lad not be with me? We are going to answer to God for our families. We're going to answer to God about the children, the grandchildren. And, and now we're, we're living long enough where a lot of you are having great grandchildren and there is an impact that we have to make on their lives and to somehow to draw them in to the kingdom of God. There's a biblical principle in this and, and it is this that we are to win first those that are nearest to us. 
I am more accountable for my family than for somebody else's family. We are more accountable for the city of Dothan than we are for any other city in the state of Alabama or for any that are even across the world. And so what we have to tell ourselves is this, is that we have to reach, and Jesus said this in Luke chapter 24. He said, I want you to do this. He said, you're going to reach the world. He said, but you're going to begin at Jerusalem. You reach those that are close. When you get to the book of Romans, here is a phrase that comes out three times to the Jew first. You find that in 116. You find it in 210. You find it in chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. And here's what the Lord or what Paul the Lord was saying and even Paul was saying that that you've got to reach for something that is there. Sister Sanders before church shared something with me and and it she just it, it, it deserves an entire sermon. But she heard something this afternoon where it started talking about uh, that, that the sweet savor that comes out from worship in a sanctuary, in a church, that your children are picking up on that. And that as they live their lives, that there can be a later point in their lives where that they are able to, to, to remember something about being in a place of worship so that even if they stray away, that there can be times whenever they get into their 30s or 40s or, or even in to their 50s that that sweet smelling savor of worship can trigger something into their mind that they can say, if I can make it to the house of God, if I can get back to that church, then there is something that God can do in my heart and into my spirit. Oh, how important it is for us parents for us to bring our children to church. I believe we ought to be here every time the doors are open. I don't believe we ought to be looking for excuses to try to figure out how we can miss church. You don't need less church. You need more church. You need church Sunday morning. You need it Sunday night. You need it Wednesday night. You need power supply Friday night. And you need Saturday night prayer. The closer we get to the rapture, the more of what we're doing right now is what every one of us that we must have and what we need. The Bible emphasizes this, that, that there is that part that we are to reach into the local church. There's a term that, that is going around. It probably started a decade ago where that they are saying that churches ought to be involved not only in outreach, but they also ought to be involved in something called in-reach. What does that mean? That means that a people that come to our church on a regular basis, that if they have not repented of the their sins, if they have not been water baptized by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they also must be born again and that they must have the Holy Ghost and that they must speak with tongues as the initial sign of the Holy Ghost that there needs to be a part that they 
have to have inreach. It's baptistry, and I know it's just like COVID. COVID came along, and it closed up a lot of baptistries. But but listen, this baptistry is empty. We got to get over COVID. COVID's gone. It's disappeared. It's moved forward. There's got to be somewhere. We've got to get that baptistry filled up again. We've got to start immersing people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's any person here in this sanctuary that you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, I'm asking you, in fact, I'm pleading with you that you must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bible indicates. Number one, the formula and number two the mode. The mode is by immersion. The formula is in the name of Jesus. And so that baptistry needs to have water in it. And I would also even go so far as this is that if you're conscious and we don't practice this, I I, 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 when I was growing up, there were there were people I went to church with that about every three or four months, poor Brother Patterson was having to baptize them all over again. There was something wrecked up in their theology with that. But I, I will say this, that if you've been away from the church for a long period of time and that if, if, if the Lord is drawing you back in, I have no qualms whatsoever about filling that baptistry up and baptizing you all over again, especially if you were baptized as a kid kid and you're now an adult and there's some question in your mind that I want to baptize you again because I want some assurance to get into your heart and into your spirit. That's what we call in reach. That's where we're reaching in to our churches. That's why Sunday school is important. That's why youth programs are important. That's why everything we do here in this church, it is important. And for people that want to say, then there's one that's more although I will say this the most important thing that takes place in this church is the ministry of the word because everything else has to flow out of the ministry of the word you ought to pray that God gifts every preacher to have the ability to preach and to teach and explain it well so that there's no question in your mind because of the ministry of the word the word needs to have a clarity in our spirits. And everything we do, every ministry of our church needs to be focused around the word of God and the presentation of that. Because what are we doing? We are we are in reaching and we're trying to get into the people's lives that are unconverted. If you continue to come to a church and you have not been converted and you're comfortable there, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing my job if sinners can come into a church and they can feel comfortable and they can feel okay. There ought to be something about it that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But there ought to be the same token let the sinners of the Lord say so and clarify their position because if you can come into this church and feel okay then I'm not doing my job the second thing that I would point out to you is this that scripture emphasizes that whole families should be saved 
Acts chapter 10 and verse 15. I want you to turn over there. If This is a familiar story if you've been in the church for any length of time. But in Acts chapter 10, and I want you to look in verse 15, it's, it tells the story of Peter. And Peter is having a great dilemma of mind about whether or not the Gentiles can be saved. And, and the Bible tells us, uh, Acts 10, 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed that call not thou common. And this was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven. What was that talking about? There was a big sheet that was full of unclean animals. And why was the Lord showing Peter that? Well, the answer to that is in the early verses of chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man. He was one that feared God with all of his house and he gave much alms to the people and he prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel coming into him and it was saying unto him, Cornelius, and whenever he looked on him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send me into Joppa and call one Simon, whose surname is Peter. I'm not gonna read the rest of the story, but Peter was working in a tanner's house, in a leather working house. And here's what was taking place. God was working on both ends of the situation. He was working on Cornelius's end. And then he was also prompting Peter and he was saying, Peter, there, there's somebody that you need to reach. And yet Peter was going to argue with the Lord, but he's a Gentile. He, he's not somebody that needs to be saved. And yet the Lord says, I'm preparing his heart. And what I want you to do is go down there and preach. And of course, at the end of the chapter there, 40, beginning in verse 44 through 48, the Bible just again reiterates the, the necessity of baptism in the name of Jesus and then also, excuse me, the also the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence by speaking in tongues. And what took place there was the Bible tells us that Cornelius' entire family was saved. The Lord was working on both ends. But here's the dilemma of the 21st century apostolic church. And this is what Brother Tony was preaching about Friday, is that we've gotten to the place where our music is so good and our singing is so good and even some of the preaching is so good that now what we've done is we've turned worship into entertainment. And so we're entertained. And so what we want to do is we, want to, we don't want to get involved. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I, I, I don't want to have to teach a Sunday school class. It's a bunch of wild little kids. Nate, I got a handkerchief in my bag and I'm... I guess I need to become like some of those fellas that brings towels with them to the pulpit. But 
we 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 don't want to we don't want to fool with teaching Sunday school class because those wild little youngins. And uh, what what we want is we have gotten into the part where we think that the only way you can be used of God is by having a mic in your hand. And we tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to use me, but what we really mean is I want you to glamorize me. And so then whenever we start trying to say we want to plug somebody else and get somebody else involved, all of a sudden the territorial spirit hops up. I just want you to take notice. I'm pastoring right now. I probably shouldn't be doing it on live stream. But Brother Patterson and I both have opened up. This is my pulpit. It doesn't belong to you. This is Brother Patterson's and my pulpit. But we have opened up this pulpit to help train other young men. And so whenever we ask you to maybe move aside and let somebody else sing in your spot or teach in your spot or do something that you say, hey, that's my stuff. then all of a sudden, the purpose of the church has changed. It's getting tight in here right now. It's getting as tight as Brother Arnold would say, I can hear a rat eating ice right now, but I'm going to walk right here. And I'm going to get down here with you. I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm not an entertainer. Our music people, they are not entertainers. If the purpose of the church is for you to come in and say, well, I'm paying my tithes and that's all that I need to do to be involved, we are not fulfilling the apostolic pattern that the church needs to be fulfilling. Because if Matthew 28, 19, whenever the Lord said, go ye, he, didn't, he wasn't just talking to Brother Patterson. He wasn't just talking to me. He was talking to all of us. He was saying, go ye into the world. So it's not my, just my job to try to be reaching people that are lost or to always trying to be encouraged and, and uplifting people and brother Tony said this and I wholeheartedly concur he said it much better than what I could say he said everywhere you go in our cities there are help wanted signs there's help wanted signs everywhere in this church we need everybody in this church to become a soul winner and to become somebody that you share your testimony with the Lord and disciple them and help them because here's the part while it may be uncomfortable now and you're like oh my Lord I wish he'd move on and quit quit meddling around with this 
I would rather you to be uncomfortable now than whenever you stand before the Lord. At that moment, you think you're uncomfortable with me right now? You will be incredibly uncomfortable with the Lord if you are not fulfilling your will. And for all of you folks that grew up in this church and you've been around for a long period of time, let me remind you of what the Bible says. To whom much is given, much is required. I have got so much that has been deposited in my life that I better do everything I can to reach the lost and to step into their lives and say, we've got an answer for what you need in your life. We've got to be soul winners. And here's the sad part is that most people are not able to point out somebody that they say, I won them to the Lord and I discipled them and I helped them. Sure, I want my kids saved. I want my grandchildren saved. You also want the same thing, but we got to break out of just saying, oh, it's just my four and no more. We've got to start reaching into the lives and the hearts of people. But here's another problem. And I run into somebody, this has been quite some time ago. And you're here tonight. And somebody said, hey, uh, don't such and so go to your church. And I'm always like, ah. I said, yeah. And he said, you got a lot of work on your hands. And so here's what happens to most of us. And I used a term this morning. Is that we manage to be chameleons. And we can be one thing at church. And then we're something totally different at our jobs. And Brother Tony said this to us Friday. And Brother Davidson said it Wednesday night. If you've been working with somebody for 10 years and they don't know that you're a Christian, you're probably not a Christian. They they need to know there's something distinctly different about the way we live our lives. More than just our dress differences. More than just that. They need to see a way that we've changed. And so what if this church all of a sudden turned back into a home missions church? need to close my eyes when I say this. But all of a sudden, the music is just awful. Because most home missions churches, they're just getting started. And so they don't have skilled musicians. They don't have skilled singers. They got people like me singing. Specials. 
That's terrible, isn't it, Brother Adam? So I mean, just think about that. You, I'm, I'm singing this special. And yet here's what happens. God, God works in those little congregations like that. And the Spirit of the Lord moves. And so Wednesday morning, in our district board room, the first couple that come in was David and Shannon Goodwin. They're now approved, and they're the pastors of the church in Hoover, Alabama. And and I didn't say, I, they, I mean, it's like you're on the hot seat, okay? You're sitting down there at the end. It's like you got 12 sharks sitting on around the table, and all of them's looking at you. And uh, and so Brother Davidson, we was asking, Brother David did very, Brother David, you watching this, forgive me. Brother David did very well. He answered all his questions because Brother David's just good at that. He's a good talker. And then all of a sudden, Brother Davidson said, uh, Sister Goodwin, could you tell us what part you play in this church? And Sister Shannon started. And I know some of the history of Sister Shannon and I know some of the history of Brother David Goodwin. And I looked at them and I told Teresa, I called her. I said, Teresa, I said, whenever I looked at David and Shannon Goodwin sitting there at the end of that table who are now going to pastor a church in Hoover, Alabama, I thought that right there is a picture of the absolute grace and the power and majesty of the Holy Ghost. Because if you know Brother David's past, it is a, it is a miracle that that man is even saved. And yet God worked in his life. And so now they're starting the church in Hoover. We got through with them. And Brother and Sister Gaddis came in. They're starting a church from scratch in Huntsville. And then we talked to Brother and Sister Jacob Jones. Listen to this. They live in California. Brother Jones is out of Brother Davidson's church from years ago, but he's been gone probably 15 years or more. And he came back home and was talking to our district youth president, Brother Adam Maddox. And Brother Maddox was just talking and said, man, we really would like to get a church in Decatur. The Lord had already been working with the Jones. Sister Jones is an attorney, but because she wants to stay home and raise her children, she's put her, her law practice on hold, and she's staying home. Brother Jones works in IT for a large company out there, and he decided what he was going to do. First of all, he tried to transfer to get back to Decatur. And so he was having difficulty finding a job. So finally he just told his company, he said, if y'all can't transfer me, he said, then I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to move there to start the church. And so that's what he did. He turned his time in. No chance of a job. They're fixing to move on their own expense all the way from California back to Decatur. Two days, we met him on Wednesday the day before, a company called him and they have now hired him 
for a job there in Decatur. They're going to come and they're going to base out of one of the churches up in the area and they're going to start a church there in Decatur, Alabama. You know why? It's because they feel a need for people that are lost. What would happen to us, church, if we suddenly got into our hearts that this place, Dothan, Alabama, was a home missions church and that everybody you meet is somebody that's lost and you've got to say, I've got to reach them. I've got to get a hold of them and I've got to help them. Can I tell you what Eddie McCarter told me? Eddie came in Sunday morning, sat right next to me, a black gentleman. I caught him out in on the street and uh, it, it, I didn't know it was him. Just people walking by, I figured they're free game for me. He was in a Dothan truck and so I pulled up to him and I rolled my window down and I said, hey, and about the time and he rolled the window down, I recognized his Eddie. And I worked with him for, what do y'all call him, brother? Where's Brother Jay? Brother John. What do y'all, Eddie McCarter. Y'all call him another name. I can't remember what his first name. I've always known him as Eddie. And I told Eddie, I said, Eddie, why don't you come to church? He said, man, Philip, I'm glad I saw you. He come in here Sunday morning, and he sat down on that pew next to me. And whenever he left, he said, Philip, he said, I just want you to know. He said, I couldn't tell that was a white church. He said, I felt the presence of God in that place. And here's something else. I don't know which one of y'all caught him out in the parking lot, but it was practically like every person he come in contact with out in the parking lot was like, sir, we want you to come back to our church church. That's how we're going to break racial barriers. That's how we're going to get over racial divide is for them to walk in here and it not be a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church. But it's going to be a church where they can feel the power of the Holy Ghost. But it's going to take us to become soul winners. You guys ready? I can't see who's there. Clay, is that you? You ready? You and Matt ready? Brother Jimmy Tony, I got this this video from a friend of mine. And I'm in a group text that sometimes it can get quite wild and and rowdy. It's Brother Wayne Naylor from Danville, Kentucky. Brother Jerry West, former youth president from Kentucky. Uh, he's going to be a metro missionary in the D.C. area. Brother Johnny Craner, pastor in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Myself and Brother Tony in Gainesville. And there's a group, that group text. And there's always just banner. And then there's a lot of times where there's good things that's going, that's taking place in there. But Brother Tony, a year ago, walked into the, to the uh, Gainesville Water Department. And he started talking to this man here at the, at the counter. And this guy's in his 50s. And so he, he told the guy, he said, hey, he said, I, I uh, uh, was just curious. I just wondered, would you be interested in a Bible study? And the guy said, well, he said, i tell you what. He said, I, I'm, I really, he said, I don't have time in the evenings. He said, but let me think about it. And he said, I, I'll see what I can do. Just so happens that this man who's in his 50s, backslid out of the church in Gainesville, Florida, 45 years ago, 40 years ago. His dad, well into his 70s, and his dad backslid about the same time and pulled his kids out. And about 
two weeks after Brother Tony had walked out of that Gainesville Water Department, the man called him. He said, hey, he said, I really can't figure out a good time for you to come and to teach this Bible study at my house. He said, but I'll tell you what. He said, could you start coming to the water department and meeting with us? He said, we'll, we'll give you during our lunch break. He said, we'll, we'll, we'll let you teach a Bible study. And so Brother Tony said for 52 weeks now, he'd been up there and he takes his bag, his bologna sandwich, because that's what them guys eat, and he walks in there and he opens his Bible up and he teaches the Bible. And so on Pentecost Sunday, he told these guys, he said, look, fellas, there's five or six guys he's been teaching the Bible study to. He told them, he said, the whole time I've been teaching this Bible study to y'all, he said, I have not tried to get you to come to church. He said, but I'm just telling you now. He said, if I've been in here for 52 weeks teaching y'all for an hour a time, he said, I wish you would at least come to church. And so on Pentecost Sunday, this 55-year-old man, backslider, 40 years. His daddy in his 70s, 40-year backslider. Both of them were so bitter and angry against the church when Brother Tony started teaching the Bible study. But as time went on, he managed to erode and the Spirit of God managed to break down the barriers. And so on Pentecost Sunday, here's what took place. It was a video, but it's just a steal right now. Can you get it to play? Anyways, Brother Tony baptized him in Jesus' name. He, 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 the Lord refilled him with the Holy Ghost. The Lord refilled his 75, 77-year-old dad with the Holy Ghost. Here's my question to us. I wonder how many people are in the city of Dothan that are like Cornelius, and they're praying, Lord, send somebody to us. And we're in here, and we're, oh boy, man, we had a great service tonight. Man, the music was great. Boy, the praying was great. Man, Brother Patterson did so well. It was so awesome. Y'all see that it's sideways, but look at that. It's the power of God. Erasing bitterness of 40 years. Erasing every bit of that and changing a man's life. If there are people like that in Gainesville, there are people like that here in Dothan. I want Wayne Worley in this church. I want Johnny Caskey in this church. There are others that I want in this church. And what we've got to do is we've got to reach out and get out of our comfort zone and say, Lord, you've got to help me to be a soul winner. I want us to stand. I want Randall Sanders 
I know he can't drive from Panama City, but I'd love for Randall Sanders to pray through in this church and then move back down there in Panama City. I'd love for, for Sister uh, my tab for my daughter-in-law for her parents to come into this church and the Lord do something dynamic in their lives there's others here tonight y'all help me you know who I'm talking about we prayed for them multiple times over the years but it's just going to be a matter of saying we've got to do more than just show up we've got to become like Judah and we've got to start saying, my life, me, I bear the responsibility. Cindy, Sarah, your dad, it'd be too far, Sister Rhonda, Sister Annette, to say, God, get a hold of Tim Cooper is that too difficult Wallace Chumney that's what we've got to do and I know I've made you uncomfortable tonight some of you I've upset but listen to me you'd a whole lot rather be upset now than to be upset in the judgment I don't want David and Shannon Goodwin outworking me I don't want Stephen Gaddis outworking me I don't want Jacob Jones and his wife outworking me Lord I pray tonight help us with our priorities don't let us build kingdoms in the church that was a problem of James and John give us a seat next to you you looked at them and and their mother. And you said, you, you don't even know what you're saying. I ask you, Lord, tonight, that you let every one of us surrender. Surrender our attitudes. Surrender our egos. And become pliable, useful vessels for you to flow through. So that this church be a place, Lord, where the people are filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, these altars are open.